Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, what is the go-to thing you do in order to avoid doing work you should be doing but don't want to do? I vacuum. You vacuum? I vacuum and I wipe the countertops. You wipe the countertops. What's the most elaborate work-avoiding activity that you've done? Uh, I've given Midge the cat a bath. (laughs) (laughs) How did that go? So, you know, she has no teeth, so I have to give her a bath because she can't get her own mats out. So it has to happen. But sometimes I'll just be sitting here and I'm like, God, I look at my to-do list and it's so immense. And I'm like, but if I gave Midge a bath right now, that would be taking something off my to-do list in like a month. And so I (laughs) suds her up, I rinse her down, and then I blow her out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I, um, I take the dog to the park. That's the thing that I do to avoid doing work because it's like I'm I'm sparking joy. He, he, you there's are. nothing You're getting nothing fresh he, air. Yeah, nothing he loves more than going to the park. But it's also like I'm not doing the things that I need to do. And also the over under that he might hurt himself, and you have to take him to the vet after that is also <laughs> at least twenty percent. Oh, he he's been he's pretty he's a pretty durable dog despite <laughs> all of his stuff. But he has had some incidents over this past year. He got sprayed in the face by a skunk. He still smells a little bit like skunk. Oh, he, buddy. Uh, yeah, he hurt. I know he didn't. He thought he was making a friend. He hurt his paw. Uh, he cut his foot. So I had to like apply a bandage and stuff. But yeah, overall, he's a pretty healthy dog. So um, yeah, that's how I avoid doing work is trying to bring joy to other creatures that don't (laughs) understand what I'm doing. This week, we're joined by Elise Hogue, Grace Parra, and Michaela Watkins to tackle the following questions. Who is the least valuable player in the GOAT rodeo that is the House GOP caucus? What do we do now that it looks like the Supreme Court is going to undo Roe v. Wade by next summer? And for a little break from the heavy news, what decisions did you make in high school that actually mattered and which ones just turned into good stories? 
Plus, why can't technology solve mystery rashes yet? All this and more right now. Okay, uh, let's get to the news. First off, Alyssa, um, I have a small anecdote. Um, So we're going to talk about what's going on with the GOP in the House. But first, I just want to acknowledge the Dobbs case that is about to come before the Supreme Court. It's a huge deal. We're going to talk about it. Um, I've been thinking about abortion rights and the fact that Roe is in the crosshairs. uh, And I've been typing the word abortion a lot into my phone as the result of, of that. And today, Alyssa, I sent a text to somebody where I forgot the N at the end of the word. So it looked like I was talking about abortio, <laughs> uh, which sounds like a minor Shakespearean character um, instead does. of a fundamental reproductive, right? So that was like my one moment of levity in this very depressing moment in like reproductive choice. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about the bitches who cannot govern and will not govern, and will do anything they can to avoid the work of governing. Not vacuuming, not healthy things. They're not giving their cats a bath. They're doing destructive, democracy-ruining shit. So um, I want to talk about, uh, I guess we have to talk about Kevin McCarthy. That dumb bitch. (laughs) Alyssa, how would you describe what is happening in the House Republican Caucus right now? I mean, I don't know. I almost want to, like, are they, uh, like, they're on the run, but, like, who are they on the run from? Their own base? It's like they are, how do you even explain it, Erin? They are in a place where aliens coming to America make more sense than what's happening in Washington, D.C. They, I mean, Erin, they're saying that, like, January 6th didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, we were there. We we I mean, we saw it. We all saw it, guys. There it's it's hard to put that specific genie back in the bottle. And yeah. they are they are the equivalent of every TikTok that you see of some like little kid who's being in, you know, interrogated about whether they ate the last brownie on the platter and they're like, "No, I didn't." And the crumbs are stuck to their face and to their shirt. That is the GOP right now. Yeah, it's really it's really quite bad. Um, I know that the the inmates have taken over the asylum is something of a, a cliche at this point, but it really feels like they've not only have they taken over the asylum, they're currently in a battle to declare the king inmate of the asylum. Like they're trying to one up each other to get the most attention for being the most batshit insane. Um, you know, we have Kevin McCarthy who. The Bakersfield weenie himself, you know, <laughs> just an extremely ineffective leader who is not very good at taking a stand and sticking to it, who is now saying he opposes a commission looking into January 6th after Democrats and Republicans have already negotiated the terms of what that commission would look like, after Democrats already gave Republicans concessions in those negotiations. Now he says he doesn't doesn't want to do it because the commission won't investigate other protests that right. didn't happen on January 6th. Right. Uh, that's like trying to cancel a murder investigation because other murders happened and that, you know what I mean? No, and, it's like trying to cancel a murder investigation because jaywalking happened somewhere. <laughs> that's true. That's true because Antifa did not kill cops. Like, no. Weirdly. 
Despite yeah. the fact that that's anyway. And you know what's uh, kind of amazing? Don't you want to know where like Mike Pence's head is at with all this stuff? Because all these people are basically saying like those crazy rioter murderers came for Mike Pence. And if you're Mike Pence, are you like, mm, I don't know. It really kind of did happen, you guys. It really did happen. Uh, it's just, it's all very pathetic to me. And then, you know, we also have uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, uh, you know, it, it kind of, I feel weird every time I talk about her because she's so unimportant. She's less important in Congress in terms of her actual power than many staffer, like a high-level staffer of Nancy Pelosi. A high-level staffer of Nancy Pelosi has more actual power in Congress than Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is not on any committees. You know? My favorite thing, it's like, I think the only way to describe that MTG person is the way that AOC did, which is, I mean, as AOC said in an interview, it's just very clear she's unwell. (laughs) Yeah, she does seem unwell, but I also don't want to pretend that, like, she just seems like a malignant asshole. Like, there is something— Something that it's it's like not diagnosable. There is no medicine that you can give somebody to cure them from the fact that they are a malignant asshole. But she is just like a malignant asshole who doesn't really seem to have anything to offer anybody. Um, yeah, so she sucks. And then we have Matt Gates who sits on the Judiciary Committee still. He super sucks. <laughs> he super sucks despite the fact that the guy – um, hit one of his close associates just pled guilty to six counts that range from stalking to conspiracy to defraud the CARES Act to uh, soliciting and uh, facilitating underage prostitution and providing said prostitute with drugs, uh, who she was 17 at the time, to stealing people's identities in Florida so that he can use their fake IDs for his underage prostitutes. He stole his boat dealer's ID, Alyssa. I am ready for my Experian alert that tells me I have a sex offender in my premises because that is that is the only place that Matt Gates is going to graduate to, if not straight to prison. Yeah. The, the guilty plea that Greenberg, um, that his attorneys filed on Monday really doesn't look good for Gates. Uh, but he still sits on the judiciary. Couldn't happen to a bigger dick. Still on the Judiciary Committee. Still there. Liz Cheney has been removed from leadership for saying- Telling truth. That the truth happened. Matt Gates literally probably hired an underage prostitute, uh, and he's on the judiciary. Cool. As a sitting congressman- Yeah. Good leadership. Good leadership. And meanwhile, I think, you know, we're talking about the sort of scumbag league of the um, House GOP caucus. And one of the, there's some also-rans. We have Madison Cawthorn, who has been well-established as a serial sex creep when he was spending his one semester in college, where I think he got like a 2.6 GPA or something like that, uh, before dropping out to become a lawmaker. Great. Uh, People have kind of forgotten about him, even though he faked training for the Paralympics, uh, even though he did all that sex creepiness. He's he's tried so hard to be the headline grabber and he just can't grab the headlines because he's being upstage. We also have Lauren Bobart. She's sort of a a dime store Sarah Palin, but with more guns and less charisma. Yeah. Um, Trying so hard to be the one triggering the libs and she just can't 
That's what it is. They're trying all of them so hard and just get a new shtick. It's all just, you know, it's all just a shtick. Yeah. And it sort of reminds me of that old Onion article from the late 90s, if you can believe it. Um, It was like Marilyn Manson now just going door to door trying to shock people. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's just tiresome at this point. You guys, their job is to make laws. They have clearly no agenda, no plan, no ideology. Well, and you know it would be – it might be like a little different if we weren't in like a global pandemic where millions of Americans were put out of work. I mean, they're like actual massive problems to solve. And mm-hmm. they are like more concerned with doing Zooms surrounded by multiple guns. It's it's very weird and a lot of them seem like a lot of them seem like people that I would not trust to work a menial job like if I were a manager at a place uh where the job was to literally like wipe down counters over and over again I would be like I don't trust these people to be able to follow instructions you know I would not let Matt Gates pump my septic that's for sure yeah Yes, uh, that is that's a good way to end this conversation. Oh, real quick, I want to do a ironic toast, uh, and I want to start it off by saying, "Well, well, 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 well." Susan Collins' main Senate campaign has been implicated in um, a illegal financing scheme. The campaign itself denies knowledge that uh, a corporation was funneling money illegally into the campaign through like a Hawaii defense contractor. Yeah, super weird. Yeah, very. it's one of those things where my eyes glaze over and I'm like, you guys figure it out and then just tell me what happens. Um, But yeah, it's very, very weird. And then the other, well, 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 Tish James, your girl. Well, well, well. Since you're in New York. Um, announced on Tuesday that the investigation into the Trump organization is now criminal, not just civil. So um, that's happening. It's happening. And I mean, let me talk talk about a slow burn. She just doesn't quit. Yeah, she's, I would not mess with her. I'm just going to go ahead and say Tish James, I would not mess with her. And um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm interested to see who's going to be charged with something. I've seen legal watchers talk about how it wouldn't make sense for Tish James to make such an announcement unless they were getting close to being able to file she charges. She is not going to – none of this is going to be made public unless she's got an ironclad case. That is how I feel. She's like measure twice, cut once. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I am really excited to see when this cut happens because it felt sort of like there was a planetary shift this week where all of a sudden all of this stuff happened on the same day. Like the, you know, it's like, I, I would, I would love to talk to an astrologer who can tell me what the stars mean for, uh, crazy political events. Not because I believe that astrology is real, but I just think it's interesting to be like, what are the, what are the planets? You no, know I love a good chart. Yes. I want to know the chart of whatever happened on Tuesday because that is seems weird. Um, okay. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the depressing Supreme Court Roe v. Wade abortion news with a person who, more than just about anybody, can tell us what's really going on.
And welcome back. So uh, longtime listeners of the show might remember that on our very first episode, we had to re-record the news segment because right after we got done recording, Anthony Kennedy had announced his retirement from the Supreme Court. And when we came back together, we talked about how worried we were that it spelled the beginning of the end for abortion rights in this country. Well, it seems that a troubling announcement from the Supreme Court this week means we may be close to the end of the end of abortion rights in this country. So when the Supreme Court announced that it had agreed to hear a case involving a Mississippi abortion ban, people freaked out because that case directly challenges Roe v. Wade. And we really think it's important that more people have their hair on fire about this because this is uh, not a drill. So here today to help us better understand the stakes and help us wade through this emotional roller coaster is the current sitting president of NARAL Pro-Choice America. Welcome back to the show, Elise Hogue. Thanks for having me, gals. Thank you so much for being here. You were the first person we wanted to talk to when we heard that this case was being heard by the court. So for those who might not understand, can you explain how the outcome of the Mississippi case will affect the future of Roe v. Wade? And why does the threat feel more real this time? Yeah, I mean, so with all the caveats that I am actually not a lawyer, but I am surrounded by great ones, um, you know, my understanding of the sort of legal elements of this case is that there is no way to uphold the Mississippi law without overturning Roe. So that is, it's basically your thumbs up, thumbs down vote on Roe v. Wade. Um, you know, I think that part of what's happening here is people are, I mean, I know, I'll speak in my I statements as I've been taught. I'm grappling with the fact that, um, you know, we're sort of, we did everything that we could possibly do in terms of like flipping the Senate and like getting the House back and getting rid of, you know, the Donald Trump. And we're really left with the stark reminder that his legacy is this court and that, in fact, the extreme forces, including and especially anti-choice forces, that put him into office got what they wanted and they have every ability to follow through with ending, as you said, legal abortion rights. And we're really careful to say it that way um, because you don't end abortion, as we know from pre-Roe. Um, you just end abortion rights and and put it out of reach from some people and make it a lot more dangerous for others. Mm -hmm. Elise, SCOTUS did not agree to take up big abortion cases before the 2020 election. Why are they doing so now? Do you think it's possible, contrary to Susan Collins' attestations and their Senate confirmation testimony, that Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Gorsuch don't consider Roe settled law? I mean, I, I, I We've been saying that since the day that they stonewalled Merrick Garland, you know, that this was endgame for them in a long con, honestly, that started with the formation of the Federalist Society in 1982 when um, that right-wing organization made um, hostility to row the litmus test for entry. And absolutely, I think they have, they believe they have what they need um, mm -hmm. to fulfill that long goal, and I would say a couple things about it. I would say, A, nobody should be fooled 
that that is the end goal, right? On multiple levels. A, they're not interested in sending the question of abortion back to the states, although even if they did, most states are incredibly hostile and would take action immediately um, to criminalize abortion. Um, But they're actually interested in an all-out federal ban on abortion. Um, But B, hostility to Roe is always mapped on to hostility to other forms of social progress. So they're just getting started. And that the question that you asked, Alyssa, is one I think everyone should pay really close attention to because it points to just how politicized the right wing has um, made the court. And not only did they get their justices, but they protected the GOP in the 2020 election because they know what their justices are being called upon to do is not popular and they would be punished for it politically. And they're trying to do it now because they think it's early enough before 2024 that people will adjust to a new normal and they might not pay as big a price for it in the upcoming elections. I think they're wrong based on my experience. I think people are really frustrated and angry by the sort of overreach of the GOP and service of an extraordinarily extreme base. Um, and I think they will pay a political price, but um, but they're trying to do everything they can to guard against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, reading about this case, I, instead of, usually when I read about a case that has alarm bell headlines, I immediately react by saying like, oh, it's actually not as bad as the headlines say. But the more I find out about this case, the more afraid I get. Um, Like the fact that it directly challenges Roe's viability standard is really frightening to me. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what the Mississippi law actually does and why banning, quote unquote, later term abortions is something that uh, should make people who care about reproductive rights scared? Like, under what circumstances do people get later-term abortions, and what does banning them mean to people who might need them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is sort of their, like, too cute by half, have their cake and eat it too, right? Because um, the Mississippi law bans abortion at 15 weeks of pregnancy. And then they're going to tread out and be like, well, if you didn't know, you couldn't make responsible decisions by the time you were 15 weeks pregnant, you know, you have no right to make those decisions, which is total horseshit, right? Because the the (laughs) same forces make it increasingly difficult to get abortion early in pregnancy. They like go out of their way to make contraception hard to get. They make go out of their way to make like accurate sexual education out of reach in the schools. And then they're like, but these people wait too long. You know, you're talking about a state with one remaining clinic to serve the entire population. You're also, so you've got people who are pushing, um, termination of pregnancy later into that pregnancy because it's just out of reach for them. They have to travel. They have to get money together, right? Like there, there's financial barriers why we need to repeal Hyde. Um, and then there's also like people learn things later in pregnancy that affect their ability to think about themselves as parents, period, full stop. Sometimes that's a medical diagnosis. Sometimes it's something to do with your partner. There are all sorts of health conditions for the pregnant person that might actually affect their pregnancy. They're just like actual considerations that kick into play later on, even if you had access early, which many people don't because of all of the barriers that the same people put into play that are now banning abortion at 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think Texas is trying to ban it at six weeks. Yeah, and Alabama did two weeks. I mean, this is just, you know, this goes two back weeks? to my point. Yeah. 
Two weeks? Yeah. You don't even know at yeah. that point. Um, I mean, this goes back to my point that they're just, um, they are straight up interested in criminalizing abortion federally. And um, they're they're playing a fun little game with slippery slopeness here, you know. And one of the, I think, I'm guessing one of the reasons that they accepted the Mississippi case is because they feel like it can sound reasonable, right? But then, like, once you close that aperture, what comes next? Mm -hmm. And it's not reasonable. And we should be Mm -hmm. screaming from the rooftops that it's not reasonable. And we should absolutely point out that the very same people who are claiming that people should know are and have made their decisions are the ones that are making those decisions out of reach. And that's the thing, Elise. You know, there are reports that anywhere from, you know, 15 to 22 states could ban abortion if this case is decided, that the average woman of childbearing age now drives about 36 miles to get to a clinic. If SCOTUS kills Roe v. Wade, it could be over 250 miles for them to drive to a clinic. Abortions will still happen. They will just be incredibly unsafe. What is, abortion is popular in America. So what are the Republicans doing? (laughs) Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, certainly what is popular is the idea that decisions about if and when and how we expand our families do not belong in the hands of politicians who don't even understand basic science, much less know anything about our individual circumstances. And that people, all people should have access to legal abortion in their own communities. People do not believe that you should have to drive so far and like find childcare because the majority of people seeking abortion are already parents taking care of the families that they have. So you're absolutely correct that it's, it's entirely unpopular what they're doing. I mean, look, this is actually the GOP project right now. It is minority control. It is minority rule. Um, imposing their will and their ideology on the majority of us through court capture, through voter suppression, having weaponized abortion as a tool, um, using disinformation to maintain power in a changing world and keep families the way they want them to look, keep women in our place. I mean, this has been their project since the late 60s. And They're at the pinnacle of it. And I think the only question is how many of us will rise up and stop them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really upsetting. And I think, you know, sometimes just thinking on abortion, it's one of those, and I, I don't, it's very common. And so I don't believe it should be this way, but I believe that it is this way. It's one of those like unpleasant, quote unquote, topics that people don't really discuss freely. And so I think that there's a general lack of understanding of how common it is and how many people have had it, how many people might need it, how many people might need, you know, their daughter might need it, or, you know, a friend of theirs might need it, or their partner might need it. There's, I I just think the fact that we don't talk about how common it is means that people don't understand how many people are like in the crosshairs. Literally half the population Mm -hmm. is, you know, now at the mercy of like, these people who probably couldn't even describe describe what the placenta does, uh, <laughs> you know, describe this. Tell me, tell me how long between ovulation and implantation. How does that work? Describe pregnancy. Like none of these people could describe any of the processes 
that happened. Or like, when is a pregnant woman tested for gestational diabetes? At what point? If you can't tell me that, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Trying to like regulate it, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, this is, I think you're making two points. One is the right-wing extreme is um, anti-science, anti-family, anti-enlightenment. We always say their approach towards abortion rights and reproductive health care generally was the canary in the coal mine. We saw that on steroids through COVID where they discarded science and had massive impact, right? And I always think if we had stood up and yelled louder when they were actually supplanting ideology for um, for science and reproductive health policy, maybe we wouldn't have gotten to where we got, you know, when it comes to COVID. Um, but I think the other thing that you're saying is literally the conclusion of the book that I wrote, The Lie That Binds, which is, the silence of the majority is their most potent weapon. And in mm -hmm. fact, you know, one of the things I wrote on Twitter the other day is like, everybody should be asking every Republican candidate from like, you know, city council all the way up to president to defend the GOP position on abortion because it is so extreme at mm -hmm. this point. It is so extreme and they don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about it behind closed doors with their base, but they do not want to have a public debate about it. And so our guidance has always been from the peer-to-peer -peer level, we do trainings in courageous conversations and combating disinformation because you are the best person to shatter the silence and bring truth to the conversation in your own community. All the way up to the political conversation, we have got to start shattering the silence and forcing them to defend their position because they can't. Mm -hmm. So... For the next months, I think that the Supreme Court is planning on hearing this in October. We'll probably hear um, what the ruling is next June, likely. Um, how do you not lose hope in between now and then? Like, what are you what are you doing apart from what you're talking about with like removing stigma and and trying to shine a light on this issue? Like, how are you keeping your hope alive? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean. I I asked the same question of Senator Cory Booker because I had him on my Instagram live program yesterday and he's always so great about it. You know, um, we have to remember that we're carrying the baton in a long arc of history, right? And that at every step in the evolution and progress in this country, um, we've had to hold not just politicians accountable, but the court. Um, and that they have had to evolve and they evolve in response to, to public opinion, right? Like they evolve in response, I should say, to public outcry and that um, we've got to make sure that despair doesn't win because that's what they want. I always said this about McConnell's approach to Kavanaugh, like there are a million ways that they could have gotten what they wanted without letting hundreds of thousands of people organize around this country, carrying it to the last stage, doing the dog and pony show about the investigation and then voting yes. They did it to teach us that organizing doesn't matter. They did it so we would curl up in a ball and stay home because that is the only tool you have is our unwillingness to stand up and fight when you are in the minority. And so um, I take, you know, I take hope and inspiration from all of our members, all of our staff, all of our allies, all of the people that have been fighting and will continue to fight. Um, and I take inspiration from history, from all of the people I know and all of the people I don't know who 
lived and died fighting for justice and equality. And um, all we can hope is to be among their ranks as we carry the baton our distance and then pass it off to other people. This is a lifelong pursuit. It's not a destination, this thing that we call freedom, reproductive freedom, justice, and equality. Well, that's a great note to end on in a story that feels like a never-ending bummer. Um, Elise Hogue, thank you so much for joining us and helping shed a light on, on what's coming next. And next time we have you back, I hope that it's to have a conversation about something that is a little bit uh, less bleak. I will look forward to it. Thank you <laughs> both for what you do. I love your show. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. I'm really excited about the topic that we are going to discuss today. It's sort of a dive into nostalgia. We had a sort of heavy news piece. We wanted to give you guys a little break. Alyssa, are you ready for this? 
I'm so fucking ready. You've been ready for like I was three, born ready. for like three years. I feel like this has been a topic that you've been mentioning as something to talk about. It's just it it just feels right, you know. It does. It feels kind of like bathing in nostalgia with a little bit of a like regret bath bomb thrown in there. Yeah, that you're like, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. okay, I've been in this bath long enough. Okay, I'm gonna bring in the other two women who are joining us for our conversation today. First, she is a writer, actor, activist, and Hysteria's own nervous little pepper. It's Grace Para. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Doing good. I like your jazz hands. Thank you so much. I am doing jazz hands for those who are just listening. Um, it is a problem that I wake up most mornings with a lot of energy. Uh, my husband doesn't appreciate it because he's not so much of a morning person. So, I mean, he appreciates it, but you know, it's like, I'm that annoying kid that's like, okay, it's 6.30. Let's talk. Have you read all the news? What do you have to... Th- say about everything. And he's like, stop. No, don't do that. <laughs> and, and you say husband, but you're also doing the pandemic delayed wedding thing. How's planning for that going? Yes. So we did a civil ceremony in September of last year, and now we're planning the big old shebang. And it's going, it's going great. I mean, what's crazy is that everybody, all the hotels, all the wedding planners, all the florists, everybody's like battling to try to, to, to have their wedding this fall. So we're lucky that we were able to line up a lot of things before the pandemic. Um, but our, uh, it's been, it's been very interesting. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm so excited to have all of our friends and family in one location. That's the big, the big impetus for doing it. So for all of you out there who are also doing an event like this, I think it'll be worth it. I feel very, very grateful that we're also in a place vaccine wise where it seems like it'll be safe um, this fall. So fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not going to have a lot of people there who are like in the, I'm not wearing a mask and I'm not <laughs> vaccinated. Crowd. No. And you know, what's interesting is our venue is actually requiring vaccines. So we've been able to tell the couple of people that are in our vicinity who we think might not be so pro-vaccine, you know, the vex- the uh, venue is going to actually require it. So that way we're not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But by the way, I mean, why would you not get the vaccine? I I truly don't understand that. It's free. So. It's free. It's free. It's free. Um, okay. Well, that's super exciting, Grace, and I can't wait to attend and eat the food that is there. Um, next up, she is an actor and writer who is on CBS's The Unicorn and a forthcoming film called Paint that I am obsessed with. Everything I've read about this. Michaela Watkins, can you tell us about this movie that you just got done shooting? Um, well, I just finished it a couple hours ago. And uh, it's, it's, I, you know, every once in a while I'm shooting something and I'm like, I think this might be special. And I'm usually not wrong about it. Okay, fine. Maybe it's not like, you know, a, a big worldwide hit. But I, I'm not wrong that it's not a good movie. And I think this one might be special. Uh, it stars Owen Wilson. Um, he, it takes place at a Vermont uh, uh Public radio, uh, public television station. It's just like hitting, checking all the boxes of all the things that I really enjoy. <laughs> and that it's like the whole movie is like a Xanax. Do you remember Bob Ross, the painter? Yes, of yes. course. Okay, so he's playing like a Bob Ross type character, but he gets oh. thwarted by the incoming uh, matriarchy. It's sort of about. It's a nice little um, slice of um, crumbling. Apple patriarchy pie. (laughs) I love it. I can't wait to see it. It's probably going to be. Also, Unicorn was canceled, you guys. I saw the Unicorn was canceled. So upsetting. I don't understand this decision. Oh, it's done. So, but I guess I still did it. So I guess you can still announce it. Yeah, you can still. I I mean, you're on it. 
You're on <laughs> the unicorn. That's just the nature of things, though. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. can put out the, the best thing in the world and you can have a great time doing it. And there are forces completely beyond your control that are ultimately deciding your fate. Actually, this has been, it's been so nice doing this movie that I'm like, more more of this. Yeah. More movies. More movies. More, more of everything movies. from Michaela. I mean, that's more. the exciting thing. <laughs> I love, I love that you're um, a spicy little pepper. Is that what you mm-hmm. said? Ner- nervous and spicy, yes. I, I That made me think that I'm the, in reverse. I go to bed at night and just before my husband falls asleep, <laughs> I'm like, did you see all the news? Can you explain this about Israel? <laughs> <laughs> it's midnight, so let's start talking about the Middle East right now. <laughs> he wishes it was midnight. <laughs> 2 a.m. Oh, man. 2 a.m., there, there is never an easy time to start talking about that. And 2 a.m., I'd imagine it would probably keep me up at night. Um, let's uh, let's get into the topic that we were going to discuss today, which is prom. And uh, and on a larger level, other high school rites of passage that as we were going through them at the time, we were like, this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me and ever will happen. And we're just going to go ahead and take a look back at some of those events in our lives and assess whether or not they were actually important. Um, so Alyssa, I want to ask you first, what was your prom experience like? Did it live up to expectations? Um, and is there a specific moment from the night that was like particularly memorable? You guys, this is why I wanted to talk about it. Because <laughs> I went to three proms, 92, 93, 94. In 92 and 93, my date left with somebody else. <laughs> <gasps> what? I've never yep. heard of that actually happening. I thought that just Two happened in, in movies. I thought that happened in movies where everybody knew a coordinated dance at the prom. Mm-hmm. That's okay. First, I wish that we had thought to do the flash mob situation. I mean, <laughs> in '93, I was like on the prom committee. Our song, All I Want Is You by U2, our theme, mm-hmm. Riches in the Night. I mean, my God, it was so 90s. <laughs> but yes, both of my, uh, despite looking so adorable, uh, one of my prom dates left hooked up with someone else, and another one I think slept with someone else. Holy shit! And then my senior year, I just went as friends with someone, and that was the best prom of the three. Yeah, yeah, that's oh the way you do God. prom. And every time, also years one and two sequence. Year three, just normal. <laughs> Wait, so there is a correlation but not a causation between sequins and being I think left that's at about the prom. right. I think that's okay. Right. Do you <laughs> what was the aftermath of being left at the did these men have to pay or these boys? Did you rain down no. hellfire? No. no Here's they, actually the funny story. This is what's great. Is that the second prom? Second. Yeah, second one. The guy I went with was so controversial that I was class president and one of the girls tried to have me impeached because she said I was going with like a nefarious person. Now, look, he did have an eight ball tinted in the back of his Bronco. So, I mean, he lent himself to this sort of, you know, characterization. But yes, so I had to defend myself against impeachment. Okay, but I at least stood, I'm not I'm not like Donald Trump. I didn't pretend it wasn't happening. I went and defended myself, and everyone was like, "Alyssa's cool, leave her alone." Uh, and then <laughs> there was no fallout because you guys know me. I'm just like, what am I going to do? Be mad? Like, I mean, I want to be mad, but at the same time, it's like, 
do what you want to do. I mean, it was embarrassing. The first one was embarrassing. The second one I didn't really care about. Oh my god! Trying to impeach a high school class student body president is the mm-hmm. most Tracy Flick thing I've ever heard. I, know. I, I, I need to know what that person is doing now. You know, we forgive and forget. Yes, what we are- forgive and forget. Sure, sure, sure. But I still think if she remembers, I'm like, do you think she remembers she pulled that fucking cunt ass I mean, move? can we find out? Knows? Can we patch her in? <laughs> it would be, I think she'd be so horrified to be reminded. I almost like, I'm my best friend. I had to be like, did that actually happen? Did I like make that up in my head? That really happened, right? They tried to impeach me. She was like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then yeah. the third one was just with a friend and everything was fine. And you Just a friend, good time, you so know. So the first two were were romantic people Ish. like people Ish. that you are mm-hmm. yeah yeah they were wow. like you know going out with people and had they asked you the first one we were dating so we like went together okay and then okay. the second one you know i don't remember how it happened i feel like it happened around a keg in the barn of someone's house <laughs> sure sure oh as all gosh. good things do. who are you going with oh so yeah those were uh <laughs> but that's why but i wanted to talk about this because yeah. because this has happened to people all over, and people are too embarrassed to talk about it. And I'm just like still standing. So every it, if it happens to you, girls, ladies, you'll endure. Okay, Michaela, what yeah. about what about your prom experience? I've been to many proms, and <laughs> uh, it's because for some reason I got that thing that makes people who apparently are very awkward at their own schools want to ask me. So. <laughs> Like the guy that I worked at a grocery store with, I went to his school's prom. And when I got there, I was like, he's kind of funny, kind of like, you know, like sort of slightly awkward, but in a funny way at work. But he is just not at all. He he did not matriculate into the social scene at his school one <laughs> tiny bit. I made more friends at his prom than he did. And then the other guy I went with was at his school. I mean... I assumed there everybody's everybody's school had like a punk rock corner of the school where everybody wore all black and so I went with that guy but um that was really fun. He was actually a really fun guy, but he also only had two other friends at his entire high school that also um were into the cure. So then <laughs> then um at my school for my senior prom, I went with a friend. It was the best. My boyfriend had graduated. He graduated high school the year before. So um I, I went with a friend and he, I had the best time. We had such a good time. The thing about prom is, you know, you're just trying to pretend, it's like this moment where you're trying to pretend you're an adult and it's so stilted and weird. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to go to a nice dinner. We're going to go to the, the, the nice restaurant in downtown, name your city. And, <laughs> and then get in cars and it's just so, it's so awkward. <laughs> So <laughs> Do you remember what you wore? Oh, yeah. I mean, taffeta, uh, some lace, and then— Yes, Michaela and <laughs> taffeta. Oh, my God. Yes, I need this. I need this in my life. Oh, man. Yeah. Went to Filene's basement and just, you know, <laughs> fought, for, fought for what I could get, basically. It was fine. It was cute. It was <laughs> My hair was gigantic. I got a sunburn. It was all right. Did you do like hair down and just enormous or hair up and enormous like Carmela Soprano style? 
Oh, I was down and enormous because everybody said I looked like Julia Roberts in Mystic Pizza. Aww. So I was trying to emulate Ooh. that in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> that is a big time compliment. Yeah, sure. it, is. it was. And back in the day, it wasn't totally off. But man, yeah. nobody said that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the thing that you brought up about going to dinner all dressed up is I— I remember thinking about that or like kind of bumping against it when I was in high school and going to prom and being like, this is weird. But like adults don't get dressed up and go to restaurants. No. Like the, and actually the fancier, fancier you are as a person, the less you dress up for fancy restaurants. Oh, yeah. Like you go exactly. to a fancy restaurant, someone's there in a sweat, in sweatpants. That's a billionaire, yeah. you know? Someone yep. is like showing up at the Olive Garden with an updo. That is the best night of their year. You know, (laughs) Um, Grace, what was your prom experience like? Okay, so for all of our listeners who grew up in Texas, and maybe this is applicable to the South, you guys tell me. The thing about growing up in Texas is that there's a prom every other month. I mean, there's always something. Like in Texas, homecoming culture is huge. We got Christmas dances. And because I went to an all-girls school, we had our own proms. Plus, we also had the proms of the two respective boys' schools that were very close to our girls' school. So from freshman year, there's like six opportunities for proms or prom equivalents. So by the time senior year came around, when it's supposed to be like the sort of archetypical fancy senior year prom situation, we were all so over it that my group of friends and I held an anti-prom where we didn't go to any of the dance. And apparently they did this on Dawson's Creek. Somebody's tweet at me or whatever, if this is the case. I should know this, but I don't. But um, we ended up just ditching all the events that night and we went to a jazz club in downtown Houston and had a fucking amazing time. And The nice thing about the girls' school experience, too, is that for our particular prom, the girls had to ask the guys. So if you were a guy at this event, you were only there because a girl asked you. So you kind of had a nice experience of, like, getting to be the person in control, the Sadie Hawkins style, like, I'm going to ask whoever I want. And then also, if you wanted to, you could also pine after, you know, wanting to go to one of the boys' school proms, too. Um, So it was sort of a combination of that. I remember, unlike Michaela, actually, I straightened my hair for one of my proms. (laughs) And that was, that felt amazing. Also, I think it was a junior year prom. I wore all black. And I was just like, this is my vibe from now on. I'm going to wear black forever. (laughs) Didn't didn't really stick as I sit here in a multicolored springy shirt with like 14 (laughs) different pastels on it. Um, (laughs) I, you know, it's funny because like you do get kind of burned out from too many dances. I think by the end of my senior year, it was like, I don't want to go to this dance. And like, I think so for my proms, I went twice. I went to junior and senior year and in my school junior prom is the prom. Mm. And so there were, so there were 40 kids in my class, 40 to 45, depending on how many were suspended at any given time. <laughs> But um, the average class size in my school was, like, anywhere from, like, 40 to 60 kids, depending on, like, how fertile the group of parents had been in that particular year. It really varied. Mm -hmm. Um, So the class ahead of me was big, and the class behind me was big, but I had a small class. And um, this is how with it and zeitgeisty we were as juniors. Um, We got to pick our theme, and we picked November Rain, by guns, <laughs> by guns and Roses, which A, it, okay, so A was a song that was like 
not of the same decade. This was yeah. the year two. This was the year two thousand, mm-hmm. uh, and we picked November Rain. We had all of the Backstreet Boys. We had the entire almost like all of the like early Britney Spears catalog. We had. We were right in the middle of like bubblegum time. We had S Club 7. Oh, my God. Yeah. Instead, we were like, no, Guns N' Roses. Second thing about November Rain, it is a 45-minute song. (laughs) And so, like, when it was timed for us to have, like, our juniors dance, it was like, you know, we're dancing to November Rain with our dates. And uh, it's by the time it's, like, Slash going, like, my God, when is this going to be over? Um, I went with a foreign exchange student who was from Mm. Argentina who was living with my friend Laurel. And afterwards, it wasn't a, like, romantic thing. He was just, like, a nice kid. Um, we are still in touch over Facebook. He seems to be doing well. Um, and we, uh, yeah, it was fine. Afterwards, I went and I stayed at a friend's house and there was like no drinking. And I think some of the boys smoked pot and that was it. Uh-huh. <laughs> my senior year, I didn't get my hair done. I did my own hair. I My dress was like on the clearance rack from Arden B. Mm-hmm. I like, I got into college early. And so I knew in December where I was going and I was just like, fuck it after that. Like, I didn't care. Didn't care about basketball. Didn't care about, like, anything. So by the time I got to prom, I was, like, doing my own hair. $30 dress. Going with my friend who I sit next to in study hall. On the way to prom dinner, we hit a deer. Um, <gasps> oh, shit. We were <laughs> in his This car. is the beginning of a horror movie. I yeah. Mm-hmm. We, it's, seriously, it's like inciting incident. Oh, you think it's going to be about prom, but actually mm-hmm. it's about these people in formal wear running for their lives. Um, but we we hit a deer and um, we were on like Highway 35 between Frederick and Siren, desolate stretch of rural highway. And uh, we got out of the car and we're like, okay, well, who's gonna, I guess we just wait here till someone we know drives by. And the next person we who drove by was someone we knew and they <laughs> brought us to the restaurant. And um, we ate, went to prom, everything was, like, nothing happened. Literally, yeah. it, it, like, nothing, nothing happened. It was like, like, who loses their virginity on prom night? Is that still a thing? Brenda Is that Walsh. A- <laughs> <laughs> I feel That's like that happened it. at Alyssa's school. Alyssa went to, like, a high drama school. Yeah. Wait, can I, can yeah. I say, so I forgot one thing about my senior prom, about also why, aside from not wearing sequins, one, I did my own hair. Because mm-hmm. I did my own hair, I was the last checker working at the grocery store because I was like, I don't have to do my hair. I can work till five. And who comes through my line but Natalie Merchant of 10,000 <gasps> Maniacs because she lived near – she lived not that far away. So she comes in and she's so friendly and so nice. And she had said – she's like, Alyssa, where is everybody else tonight? And I was like, oh, they're getting ready for prom. And she's like, why aren't you getting ready for prom? I'm like, I'm doing my own hair. She's like, where is your prom? And I told her where it was. And she showed up that night and sang. No. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like – Yeah. You're yeah. The- and I like wrote about it in my book and sent it to her and under the chapter of like kindness. Because can you think of like a nicer thing for someone to do or just like these little upstate bumpkins? And she oh just showed up God. and she sang and like the girls' chorus got up and sang with her. It was so nice. Now oh I feel like God. a real shit heel because being <laughs> up here in Saratoga, New York right now – I get these Instagram messages to go to people's lacrosse game. And I was like, what if I did as like a woman on the verge of 50, like sat in the bleachers, was like, hello, I'm just here to see these young men, (laughs) young men play. I think it would be cool. You should do it. uh, I was invited. Can you point me to Trevor? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God, Michaela, you have to do that now. That's amazing. Oh man. It's like, uh, it reminds me of like a gimmicky year of yes type thing where someone who is like a working actor who's visible in public and is like, I'm just going to say yes to everything that people ask me to do. You would end up at like a bunch of middle school wrestling meets. <laughs> yep. But um, Natalie couldn't have, like she had to be around the same age, right? Like she's not, she's not. She wasn't. No, she. Yeah, she's not. She was not that much. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's that much older than I yeah. am. Also, Michaela, where you are, she teaches a Head Start class up near where you are. Oh, I do. Oh, should mm-hmm. I go and perform? You know, I should connect <laughs> you on Twitter. <laughs> Pay it forward. That's amazing. I, 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 I love that story. I just. I, I can't believe, I mean, congratulations for having something eventful happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly. Um, okay, so in the grand scheme of things, like how important was prom to you when you were like planning for it and how important did it end up being, Alyssa? Uh, we put a lot of effort into planning for it and it ended up being a fucking fart in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> what would have happened if you would have just done nothing and shown up and just like danced to some booty jams? Like would that have been the worst thing in the world? No, I think that it's just like, you know, well, especially if you're not like from an urban area, I feel like the makeup and the, you know, you think it's going to be like very glamorous and it's, it's not like the, someone's mm-hmm. throwing up outside the back of a suburban. I mean, it's just, there's nothing about it that really uh, changed my life in any meaningful way. I know when you say do your own, that you did your own hair, I was like, who didn't do their own hair? Well, Houston girls, Houston oh, girls yeah. went all out. Yeah. I actually all another another thing that not spa, like prom specific but homecoming specific. Did you guys have boutonnieres? Yeah, like the big old the big old and fangs. corsage. Corsage, was yeah. Big. Boutonniere small. The boutonnieres were massive in Texas. Like the bigger, <laughs> the better. Literally, one that I got my junior year, I will never forget this, was the size of my face, and it trailed down. It was longer than I than I am tall. It was so big. I have it somewhere because it was a monstrosity, and I had to keep it because it's. But that's a that's a thing in Texas. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm starting to get a, an understanding of why the power grid, it, like, fails in that state. <laughs> you have, like, miles yeah. and miles of greenhouses keeping exotic flowers alive <laughs> for all of these dance accessories that kids— Guys, prioritize. <laughs> Listen, Texas. Prioritize. Um, is there, like, a film—when you were, like— too young to go to prom. I'm sure that you consumed some media that contained depictions of prom in it. Did that media, did those movies or TV shows inform your expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, and and were you disappointed when you arrived at prom? And if you were or surprised or whatever, was there one aspect of it that you were like, why is this in every movie and not in any real prom? Like for me, it was the virginity thing. Like I don't know a single person who was like, tonight's the night. My hymen's going to go away. Like, nobody <laughs> really cared. Um, but I do remember, like, the the fact that there was, like, drama at prom was weird to me in movies. And the, the dances. There was, like, I went to, I was, like, in high school during the heyday of, like, the prom-com, which was, like, high school movies that that climaxed at the prom. And there was always this, like, big dance that everyone knew and like did together at the prom. And that was just like, what? Do you know what ours was? I just remembered. What? It was the gator. People did the gator. What is the gator? What is the gator? It's like when you throw yourself down on the ground and you kind of like ride like a gator. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
All right, yeah. Oh, God. That's what it was. But for me, it was really 90210. Oh, yeah. It was because 90210 came out in like 91, I guess, something like that. And anyway, that was, I literally was like West Bev. Like, this is, I'm like, I get what I'm supposed to do. Like, (laughs) everyone go to Steve Sanders' house and have champagne. (laughs) Mine was pretty in pink. Yeah. um, Because I was, I, I love romantic comedies more than anything. And uh, I I also was the poor girl in the rich town. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, I was, I, prom for me, I was doing the best I could with what I had. And to me, prom was going to be the moment where that really cute guy who I sort of was just kind of just missing he was going out with someone or I was going out, whatever it was, it was going to culminate in this huge moment that night. And we were going to kiss and it was going to be like fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> so did it? Still, did still it happen? Wait, still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think one thing that I that kind of sticks in my craw about prom is that it kind of pressures. I think one of the worst things you can do, and maybe this is just me being cusp old. Um, I think one of the worst things you can do as a young woman is put, invest too much of yourself emotionally into relationships with boys or young men. Um, and I'm saying this, like my, my brother and his wife got married when they were like 23 and they're like a great couple. So I'm not saying like all young couples or people who met in high school are like doomed, but I think generally speaking, uh, getting really wrapped up in romantic relationships when you are a kid yeah. Is like a bad idea. Like play around, date people, whatever, do whatever you want, but like to to like imbue some like deep romance into like some guy that you met at high school that you just happened to be born in the same area as is like probably not a great idea. There's one one uh exception that I might see unfolding right now and I don't know I don't know if this is going to necessarily be the case but my uh, I have a nephew who is 16 17 and he through like friends of a friends met the girl that he's dating who lives over three hours away in Texas um, via like a phone call because she was on, she was like hanging out with some friends of a friend. Anyway, they ended up connecting and now basically like have their entire relationship via FaceTime and Zoom and they don't get to see each other that often because they don't live anywhere near each other. So maybe for people who are doing the kind of long distance thing in high school, which I imagine is not that common, um, maybe then prom would be more meaningful. Meaningful. You know, maybe those moments where you don't get to see each other that frequently. But for the rest of us, where you're seeing the same 40 people like Aaron did every single day, it's like, I'll just see you tomorrow anyway. Fine. It's fine. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, crushes for me in high school and in my 20s and 30s and early 40s, I like they they were like co- cocaine yeah. for me, you know. <laughs> and so that was my reason to get out of bed. It wasn't for history class, you know, it was because like I might just accidentally turn around and my hair will swoop just slightly the right way and just make eye contact for four seconds with Brandon. And then, you know, that's it. Like, then it's on. That's That was my fuel for... Mm-hmm. It wasn't higher learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that is like... I mean, look, I was a crush-fueled person as well for much of my young life. But I think it's just because I was... I think... <laughs> 
look at, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but I think for me, looking back, having crushes was like an avoidant behavior. Like, oh my God. It, it was absolutely. The, it, it, I should, it should have been trained out of me because I, I think when I think what I could have done had I not been spending all my time trying to figure out which button of my, you know, flannel shirt to keep open or <laughs> closed. <laughs> Like I would, I'd be running the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wish that I could just like snooze that part of my brain. Like it was something that I would focus on instead of focusing on things that were actually hard or things that required me to like work <laughs> in some cases. Yeah. Um, because you just get this little like thrill of seeing somebody that you've decided is the person that you're thrilled about now, rather than being like, I'm going to read a book or I'm going to learn something new or I'm going to like go, you know, do something challenging. It's it's just kind of like easy and there. So I want to pivot really quick to decisions you made in high school that actually mattered. Was there anything that was hyped for you, especially in this like springtime season of like big events? Um, what decisions that you made mattered and which ones did you think mattered but didn't actually matter? Alyssa, I'm going to start with you. Gonna be honest, college. Like this was for me, I was so fucking worked up. Cause for anyone who doesn't know, I applied to several Ivy League schools and got rejected from all. Um, and I was so like, oh my God, it's over. And guess what? I turned out great. If I had gone to one of those schools, I may not have ended up with the sparkling personality I have because, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what if I had gone someplace that stressed me out too much? And then I ended up with, I don't know, some, just, it seems like I'm very glad that it all worked out the way it did. And whenever, I just don't know anyone whose life was utterly derailed by what school they did not get into. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a pain in the ass in the moment. You're disappointed. It's a form of rejection, but it's sort right. of Yeah. You're I'm fine. gonna go gonna I'm gonna have fine. to I'm gonna have to agree. Like I, I got into the school that I wanted to get into and I ended up going to that school. And now looking back, it's one of the decisions that if I could change it, maybe I would. I'm glad yeah. I made made the friends I made in college. Um I'm glad I went to uh school that was a uh, very Catholic Disneyland. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I was challenged there in my politics by being around like conservatives. I'm glad I met all these people who just like, just were rich and just had things. Like if I hadn't been around people like that, I would not have understood how many people in the world are just given things. Uh, I'd never experienced that before. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I think the college decision was like, it matters, but not as much as people act like it matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Grace, what was fine. your, did you have a decision that you were like, this matters so much, or like an event that you were like, this matters so much that actually didn't matter? And and then what did matter to you? Well, here's, here's something that I didn't think that, uh, w- I didn't think this was going to matter as much as now looking back, it really has. And, and it's a regret of mine, actually. I didn't spend more time, I didn't spend enough time abroad. I didn't realize that once you become an adult and you have a job, you know, I, I'm not even at the point of having kids yet, but it's really tough to get away even now for a couple of weeks, much less for a few months. And I spent one summer in Spain 
summer after my junior year of college and I loved it. And I was like, man, those people who take a gap year after high school ends and before college, genius. Just go away at a time where you have that opportunity because you can immerse yourself, by the way, in languages. It's so hard if you're suddenly, you know, in your 30s and you're like, fuck, 40s, however, you know, whatever point you might be at and you realize like, I might not ever learn that other language that I really wanted to. But if you're still in that like late teens, early 20s, phase, you really have an opportunity to do that. But it was never, it was never like framed as something that was really important to me at that age. It was always like you go to high school, then you go to college, then immediately you start working. There's not just no, no wiggle room in there. And a lot of it, of course, is financial. I mean, not everybody has the financial opportunity to go study abroad, but a lot of people do and they don't. They, mm-hmm. they have the opportunity and they've got the resources and they still don't do it because they're afraid of losing a year. Like that year is somehow going to stand between them and success when the reality is like that year is probably going to make or break your sparkling personality and might also give you an opportunity to learn things that you'll just not have time to do the older that you get. So I would say that's my 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 big regret, the big event that I didn't end up doing. Mm-hmm. Michaela, how about you? Um, I was thinking about that. I, I think... Maybe the biggest, um, smartest thing I ever did was overcome my bias of uh, of the theater department at this high school that I had moved to. Like I said, I was kind of the poorest kid in the richest town outside Boston, and I I had I, I sort of like swung on the outskirts of this whole social scene, kind of looking at it at the down into the bowl of like <laughs> of of just these. Uh, and I thought the, the the theater department was supremely dorky. And I was like, those aren't my people. And then I did it. And I was like, no, these are my people. And it was my avenue to college because my SAT scores weren't going to get me there. And uh, college was my avenue to going, studying abroad. You know, I could go do that. I got to do that for free my junior year. And that set the die where I felt like I am now a person who you can draw me anywhere in the world and I'll be okay. Like I know how to, I know how to be an independent woman. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff, just overcoming, you know, not letting the, the social stratas determine my entire future in high school, which nobody, like, I don't think about my high school at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it's really hard, I think, when you're in high school or even when you're, like, in your 20s to decide for yourself what's cool versus being, like, what do other people think are cool so that I can be that? It's like, no, no, no. What do you actually like? Speaking of Julia Roberts, it's like that scene in Runaway Bride when she has to figure out what kind of eggs she likes. Like, figure out, like, figure out what... What you actually like rather than being like, I like to be doing the thing that other people think is cool because like ultimately it doesn't really matter. Like the thing about people not liking you in high school is that unless they are like confronting you or bullying you, you can just go ahead and ignore them and carry on with your life. Like you do not need to give them like any mental space. I think the things that don't matter in high school are like, you know, prom graduation, although at my graduation reception, because where I'm from, there's like a graduation party culture um, and everybody, it's almost like a wedding reception. You invite people and you jump from like party to, and and it's like grownups and kids. It's not like everyone getting drunk thing. Mm -hmm. But at my graduation party, we had a taco bar involving (laughs) kiddie pools filled with (gasps) ice and all of the accoutrements (gasps) inside of the the kiddie pools. That's dope. 
three different kinds of meat. Oh, shit. This was, it was really amazing. So I think that that was a big decision for me and my future just in general. But generally <laughs> speaking, all these like rites of passage where you have to get dressed up and show up somewhere don't really matter very much. The things mm -hmm. that mattered to me looking back are not things that I did, but things that I didn't do. And I don't want to be like, now listen, kids, don't do drugs. But seriously, I think it's really a good call when you're young to avoid putting things in your body that can make your brain stupid. Um, wait until your brain is fully developed to put those things in your body. I'm a big, big fan of putting things in your body once your brain is fully developed. Uh, I, it's funny. I'm reading Michael Pollan's book right now. So good, right? <laughs> so good. So good. The audiobook version of that is also really good. He's oh, got a I very- pivot. Yeah. <laughs> very, very soothing voice and like imbued with curiosity. He's like, oh, what's going to happen if I take psilocybin? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not like judgmental about people choosing to do whatever they want to themselves once they're like old enough that it it's not going to like make your brain into Swiss cheese. But I'm really glad that when I was in high school, I wasn't really a partier. Um, part of it was because I didn't get invited to parties, uh -huh. but part of it <laughs> was that like, I would have gotten in so much trouble if I'd gotten caught. And I'm just really glad that I didn't, I'm glad that I didn't get too wrapped up in like boys or like relationships. I'm glad that I don't have any like residual relationship trauma from when I was a child, uh, because I just like didn't really date. Now I'm not suggesting that every single person should do exactly the same things, but those things ended up being very important to me because I think I had, I've been able to kind of work out a healthy relationship with um, w with what I choose to do and not do with my body. And I don't have like any lingering like associations with that. Um, I also think doing sports is important, whether or not it's organized um, or whether or not it's like through a team in your school, but like doing something active and having like a way that you can like physically engage with the world that makes you feel good is something that is an important habit to form when you're young. If, if like, you know, whatever is available to you. If you just like going on long walks, um, that's cool too. If you like to run, if you like to play basketball or volleyball or ping pong, or, you know, whatever it is that like you like to do. I just think that like having a relationship with whatever your physical abilities are is something that you can't, it's harder to like develop that as an adult than it is as a kid. So as, as somebody who didn't do organized sports and totally regrets it, I completely agree because I also feel like, especially when you're in a competitive sport of some kind, whether it's like, you know, varsity level or whether it's more intramural, you also get familiar with the idea, with the idea of teamwork and also the idea of losing and, and, yeah. and being okay with not getting what you want or, or not always succeeding. Like ha handling loss in a graceful way is I think something that people who did team sports are okay at. And those of us like myself who didn't have struggled with into their adulthood in ways that are like really frustrating. And I look back and I'm like, man, if I had just joined that softball team, I was never good at softball. That was never going to happen. But <laughs> you know, if, if, if there'd been some way for me to just start to familiarize myself with loss, because we're all going to, we're all going to experience that. We're all going to get rejected from things. We're all going to try our hardest and it's still not going to you know, materialize in ways that we want. But uh, team sports are a really good way to easily teach people, hey, this is what happens when these things take place. How do you, how do you learn to adapt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that like, even if, you know, there's, there's some reason that you can't do like a physical sport, um, and there's plenty of reasons why a person couldn't physically do a sport. There's like 
competitive events that you yeah. can get into. Get into Magic the Gathering, man. That's like a fun <laughs> I've played I've played that game before and that is a fun flight of imagination. <laughs> I have no ju- just but I think like learning to compete, learning to win, learning to lose, learning to not be a, a dick about mm-hmm. it regardless is like a super important skill to learn in high school for sure. Um but yeah, uh, Grace, you mentioned a gap year. I mm-hmm. totally agree. I think that like I think that maybe this country would be better off if we weren't sending 18-year-olds to college. If we I were wish just I like, took one so badly. So what would badly, you have I done, wish. Michaela? Um, I just would have matured, you know? I went to college and sort of w- was kind of in a high school mentality when I got mm-hmm. to college. And when, by the time I graduated, I was like, oh, I wish I had this head screwed on two years ago. I would have gotten so much more out of school. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, uh, I just was, I don't know if I personally was a late bloomer, but I just felt like I needed to get my yayas out for one year and just be, <laughs> just smoke all of the pot and yeah. then go to college, you know? Mm-hmm. It took me like all of my 20s and early 30s to recover from my freshman year of college. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm so dying to know why. No, I was just, it's like I went from a small school to a bigger school and all these, you know, I just, I had a real sort of sheltered upstate kind of life. And I just got to school and I felt less than, you know, it's like before I understood the difference between the the idea that different doesn't mean less. And I just, oh, I was so self-conscious. I became so shy. And I mean, I was really a fucking wreck. But I'm still yeah. friends with all my freshman year friends, so <laughs> I guess we bounced back. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really do feel for for people in high school right now because everything I experienced, I experienced in real time in high school. And then I closed the door on it and I went to college. Whereas, like, they're doing the same thing on social media, mm-hmm. right? Like, I would date a guy, get noticed all of a sudden, like, oh— he likes her. Okay. You know, that gave me some cred all of a sudden. Everybody sort of invited me into their social circles. I got likes in the version of that, you know. And then one slight, one stupid little social slight and you're mud, you know. And that is being played out in social media for these kids right now. And, and, I I remember how important all of that felt and how I felt like I had just cratered my life. And I look back on it and it's laughable that I would ever think I was cratering my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do not envy the teens, but I also think that that whatever teens are going through at the time they're going through it, there are adults who are like, ooh, teens, you got it hard. But there are like survival skills that you develop alongside this Mm-hmm. T- toughness, you know, like the internet was, uh, we got the internet when I was like a junior in high school, mm-hmm. sophomore in high school, maybe. And mm-hmm. I remember like hearing adults being like, oh, well, the internet's ruining the kids. And it's like, well, you know, I also developed a digital literacy that uh, seems like a lot of older Gen X and baby boomers did not develop Mm-mm. to our country's detriment. So mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a trade-off. Um, on one hand, your embarrassing prom breakup lingers forever. On the other hand, maybe when everybody's humiliations live forever, it's sort of like nobody's humiliations live forever. We can hope. Um, okay, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we are going to talk about what we're feeling petty about this week. 
Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And we're back. We've almost reached the end of the show. But before we get there, we're going to talk about what we're feeling petty about this week in a segment we call I Feel Petty. I am uh, going to hand it to you, Grace. All right. So so I'd like for you guys to uh, to walk on this journey with me. Um, there is an app that I recently discovered that's called Picture This. Okay. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but basically it's an app where you can take a picture of any plant that you have and it will tell you what the plant is. And it will also diagnose if there are any problems with the plant. So if it's getting too much water, if it's getting not enough water, if the soil's bad, if there's a fungus, whatever it may be. Uh, and it's genius. And I started using it and I, I really like it for all my horticulturists out there or aspiring horticulturists. It's really great. Now, to set that aside for one second, about three weeks ago, I found a red rash on uh, my leg about the size of a dime. If you Google ringworm, that's what it looks like. Okay. So I, yeah, I probably don't have- Don't Google ringworm, I by mean, the don't way. don't do it. Don't do it. But if you do, uh, it, you know, it was just a little spot. It wasn't that big a deal. It didn't like really itch. I didn't really think much of it, but like two weeks into it, still had it. Felt a little bit flatter, but didn't change that much. Anyway, long story short is I did a telehealth appointment with my doctor who looked at it and was like, I don't really know what this is. Maybe it's ringworm. Maybe it's eczema. Who knows? I'll give you a lotion for it. Eight <laughs> days have passed, okay? I'm still using the lotion. No changes. Still there. It's not like it's spread or anything. It's just still there. So to put these two things together, my friends, how is it that there is an app that can identify 450,000 different plants and diagnose what the problem is with that plant with one picture, and we don't have an equivalent for rashes. Because <laughs> I don't know what it is, and there's only like eight different kinds of rashes that it could be, okay? Every rash is either eczema, psoriasis, acne, or chlamydia. That's it. Those are the options. So why don't we have an app that can do for rashes what we can do for plants? I'm just saying we're spending all of our seed money in fucking Silicon Valley developing weird things when we really should be focusing on those of us that get rashes. And I have a name for the app. Itch Hunt. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's great. Thank um, you. Yes. Any any uh, any venture capitalist listening, Grace Para can be found on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> other social media. She takes uh, denominations of one million dollars at a time. Anything yes. less doesn't consider a serious cash infusion. Um, <laughs> I think big doctor is standing in the way because if doctors can be replaced yeah. by robots, that's mm -hmm. not great for all those people who went to med school. Not great. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll go next. Mine is kind of gross too, and it was more of like a thought. But, you know, sometimes, do you ever do that kind of like thought exercise where you're like, what decade would I have enjoyed living in the most? 
you know, what decade from the past? And because we're women, uh, it's usually a decade after the 30s, because before that, we were like dying of childbirth left and right. Um, and the the oppression was pretty bad. And actually, after up until the 70s, things were pretty bad. Up until Roe v. Wade, things were pretty bad. We couldn't get credit cards without our husband's signatures. We couldn't, like, get birth control without, you know, there was just all this stuff. And things are still not great for a lot of women. But so when I think about this, I the decades that are available to me are like the 70s, 80s, you know, nine, What if I could transport myself back. And I was thinking, you know, I think I'm going to have to eliminate the 70s from the list of decades that I could imagine myself living in. And here's why. Everything was covered in carpet and people were very hairy. That mm. <laughs> You were probably, if you were like an adult in the 70s, like dating and being whatever, young-ish, mm-hmm. there were probably like short curly hairs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Beard hairs, body hairs. Like I just yeah. feel like, and then everybody smoked. So mm. everything would smell like smoke and was like mm-hmm. covered in carpet. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are not, when we talk about the 70s or when we make art in, that t- takes place in the 70s, we are not, as we consume it, thinking about how smelly it would have been back then. Um, do you get so, the yeah. feeling that people didn't use deodorant as we do now? Not with, yeah. anti- not with antiperspirant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that they really did. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, the smoking thing. Mm-hmm. And then also like the leaded gasoline thing. Everyone was mildly insane mm-hmm. because there was lead in the air, in the paint, in the water. Mm-hmm. I just, oh, I'm so, going to have to eliminate. So yeah. I'm going to have to eliminate the seventies and the eighties too, because of president Reagan. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to anyway. No. So yeah, gonna, bumping the seventies off the list of fantasy decades that I would like to imagine myself in because of all the hairs everywhere. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I feel petty about this week. Alyssa, what are you feeling petty about? You guys, mine isn't so much a petty. It's just something I wanted to express concern over. You guys, the UFOs. Okay. <gasps> Lot of UFO discussion. My husband worked for Harry Reid, who funded the UFO stuff. He won't tell me the real scoop, but like, <gasps> let's just say I know what's up, okay? Because he won't confirm or deny. And honestly, I feel like they're really coming for us now because, like, for four years under Trump, it was like, hmm, it's like taking candy from a baby. We really shouldn't. Let's give <laughs> let's give the planet a little bit more time. And now I just, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like they're coming, and I'm not ready to have that kind of close encounter. And 60 Minutes really fucked me up. Mm-hmm. Wait, mm-hmm. so can you can you fill in our listeners in case they're not up on the UFO discourse? Sure. So for anyone who has missed the UFO discourse, uh, 60 Minutes had a big segment, 14 minutes this past week, about uh, DOD and, and military officers who admitted and came forward and said that they absolutely had seen, like at the time they tried to rationalize it, be like, it's a drone, it's this. And they're like, no, it's like, it was a fucking UFO. It was a UFO. And it just feels like, I don't know, that maybe we needed to get a little bit more out of COVID before we could like onboard all that extra information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they're time travelers from the future who are coming back and trying to determine, like, maybe there's some event that they're trying to undo. You know, that's like a huge belief system, right? Like, there's a huge, there's a guy who talks all about that, that it's like people from the future that are coming back here to make sure everything's going as planned. Whoa. Wow. Okay, well, then they're not going to fuck with us. They're just going to be up there. 
No, except they're like, get your fucking vaccines, you assholes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's my true. theory is that the aliens are already living amongst us. Any okay. one of us, any one of us could be one. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd be crazy to think that that couldn't be the case, but I'm just saying this was, it was just like a lot to take in in the last week. I wasn't really lot. ready for this, like, you know, truth telling. It's a lot. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. It's not me. I am so good at sport and uh, <laughs> loving, loving my friends who are ladies and doing podcasts are nice. <laughs> I, I, that's so funny, Alyssa. I was going to talk about UFOs too, but no. more about how, how like everybody is so feeling like it's kind of banal topic, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so I'll, I'll pivot. I'll pivot to something that really does just irk me, and and I feel I, I don't know if petty. It's kind of serious, actually. I just feel like like we need to have a uniformed agreement, okay? That when somebody says. I feel so sad for the blank people who died, whether it was today, a week ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 2,000 years ago, that nobody on that post is allowed to say, but what about this other thing over here who died that has absolutely nothing to do with this, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm so sad for this baby that died of, you know, baby cancer. And then somebody else will be like, oh, but nothing for the people of, you know, Alaska who are dying from fishing cancer. And it's like, (laughs) we can feel sad for many things at the same time fucking time. And unless you go to somebody's page and it's all about nothing else matters but fishing cancer, then, you know, hey, what about this? Sure. But due diligence, you know, do your due diligence. Diligence, you know, make sure somebody is just expressing compassion. We don't have to, you know, it's okay. Let Mm -hmm. it be, let that person have compassion. Sometimes I think people treat the internet and social media like it is a foot race to see who can arrive at the bad faith conclusion first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and like they just are trying as hard as they can to read Mm -hmm. the worst possible intentions into Mm -hmm. anything that somebody says, maybe because they feel powerless in their own lives. I don't know. But, and I just think that, yeah, you're exactly right. And then there's also like, Caring about more than one thing at once. Something mm-hmm. terrible can be happening in some place. Uh, meanwhile, something very stupid is happening with another thing that is unrelated. And you commenting on the stupidity of the stupid thing does not mean that you do not care about the other thing. About the ser- thank you. That is the other, that is the other version. Yeah. You could say, I am so happy the Armenian genocide is acknowledged. Also, does this bow look dumb in my hair? <laughs> and then <laughs> yes. Somebody will be like, what? Nothing for the Armenians? It's like, okay, yes, always something for the Armenians. <laughs> <laughs> Just because genocide has happened does not mean that I get to go out in the world without people noticing how I look. Yes. So help, you know, help me. Um, yeah, Michaela, I think that's that's a serious one, but it also is a petty one since it happens in like just these little, you know, paper cut interactions over and over again. It's like, I think a general rule for everybody, and I'm not perfect in this, but like, you know, if somebody is saying something stupid while there's serious things going on, 
resist the urge to finger wag about Mm -hmm. what they should be caring about because not everything everyone cares about is being aired on social media at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's a good lesson. Well, there's also like a search bar. So like, if that's all you want to read about at that moment, (laughs) you absolutely can. If somebody wants to do a palate cleanser and be like, here's a squirrel riding a turtle, then, you know, (laughs) we need that too. Okay. (laughs) Yes. That's And that's a good note to end on. Um, Grace and Michaela, thank you so much for coming by. I feel like it's too long between times that I get to see you guys. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die once again. And thank you to Elise Hogue of NARAL for joining us to kind of help talk about what's going on in the Supreme Court. And thanks to all of you, the listeners. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, rate us, review us, and there'll be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Narmel Konian and Matt DeGroote. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. Crime, crime, crime. 